welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. This week on The Exchange, Carlos Hawthorne sits down with David Mualem, the German DJ behind Munich's premier club, Blitz. A DJ since age 14, Mualem says running clubs was never something he aspired to. But he later found himself as the creative director of another prize Munich club, Bob Beerman before coming up with the vision for Blitz, which transformed a long disused part of the city's Deutsche Museum into one of Europe's most hyped clubs. In conversation, we hear of the thousands of little details one has to consider when developing the idea for a club, the importance of giving structure to your vision, and how to ride the ebb and flow of anxiety and satisfaction that faces even the most successful club operation. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges on residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange. The Exchange with David Mualem is up next. Thanks for dropping by, David. Thanks for the invite. Nice to see you. Um, what brings you to Berlin? Uh, I've been playing yesterday um, at Berkheim Garden, and that's um, uh, and I have friends here, so that's why I'm hanging out longer. Nice. You played the garden before? Uh, no, it was the first time actually. Oh, nice. How do you how do you like it? I loved it. It was really great vibe. It's a special setting. I actually love playing outside, and it's a super dope vibe. It's super relaxed. You somehow don't feel so much pressure. Mm-hmm. Usually I play Panorama Bar upstairs and the uh, pressure level at Panorama Bar is way higher. And it was super sunny and the crowd is the best, obviously. And you were playing, you were playing the first set, right? So you got I to, played the first set from 12 to, to 4. You get to play some stuff you don't usually play? Yeah. Nice. It's Especially in the first hour, like some, I don't know, pop music I played. Oh, like nice. Stuff from the new Bibio album and it's like... Oh, cool. It was really... Really nice. Lovely. I mean, how far back does your relationship with Bergheim go? Mm, really long, actually, because I went there as a dancer for a long time. <laughs> I went, like, I, I played a gig at Berlin, like, around 15 years ago at a place called 103, I think that was the name. I think it doesn't exist anymore. It was next to Watergate. And I played with the Optimo guys. And then afterwards they said, hey, there's this new place, Panorama Bar opened, like reopened, there's a new space, let's go there. I was like, okay. And I, just, um, I never went to the old Ostgut, so I didn't know it. So I mean, I heard about it, but I was never there. And then I said, let's go there. And then I went to, to Panorama Bar and Berkheim wasn't open back then because the first three months it was just upstairs. And I went in this room and I was like, okay, this is like insane. It's the best space. So... This, for me, this is where the relationship with the space started rather than the people because like I, I went to the space like dancing all the time for 10 years. And then um, I got to know the people working there and I became friends and like I'm playing there for like five years or so. So even the space back then felt very special immediately? Yeah, immediately. Immediately. I went there like at like eight or nine in the morning and the space was ram-packed. And everybody was dancing like crazy and it's like the energy was so like up there. And yeah, I remember I was there with a friend. I was going with him to, to, to party there all the time actually back then. And I was looking at him and I was like, the day will come, I will play there. <laughs> and he was like laughing. It's like, you idiot. And uh, yeah, 10 years later it happened. It was a f- good feeling. Nice. You obviously were creative director of Bob Beeman, a club in Munich, and now you run you run Blitz mm-hmm. alongside four other people, is that right? It's four other people, right. Yeah, right. I mean, I wonder just if Berghain or any other clubs kind of directly inspired your work at both those clubs. Yeah, 100%. I think, like, obviously everything that you experience inspires you in some way. And I've been going out to nightclubs for, like, over 25 years now. And, and so everything I experienced in, the, in this time has inspired me in some way. And, and you learn things and there are things you like and things you don't like so much. And obviously, like, there are some clubs out there who do things really well or, like, that in, where you feel that this is the way to do things and this inspires you for sure. So I wouldn't say that there was, like, a kind of blueprint of setting something up. 
because that like I think copying is not a solution, but like setting up your own thing, your own vibe, but still learning from what others did. But that's also dates back to clubs that didn't even exist. Uh, did not not didn't even exist, but uh, don't exist anymore. Right, right. You know, yeah. Last year, last week, uh, news arrived that Bob Beeman is closing down. Yeah, I heard that too. How do you react to that news? Uh, actually, there was not a big reaction. I saw the Facebook post, and I just uh, commented on it. Actually, I said thank you, Bob Beeman, because uh, I had a good time there. Um, but I left over three years ago and I did my own thing. So I usually don't try to look back so much, but like this, I try to look into the future and I had a good time there and I learned a lot and I managed to move some things forward, I feel. And that's about it. So I moved on, but I had a good time. Was it, because um, I read that during your time at Bob Beeman, you were always looking for spaces. So you had this idea in your head that you would one day like to run your own club. I mean, is that something that's been with you only since then or for a long, long time? Mm, it developed during that time. I was never actually so much into running nightclubs because, I mean, I was always connected to nightlife and clubbing because I was DJing all my life, basically. Not all my life, but since I'm 15. Okay, wow. And... But I never had this idea of setting up a nightclub, but there was like, actually a friend of mine I grew up with opened a club in Berlin in 2002. Um, his name is Oscar, and he opened Weekend Club back then. Mm. This was the first time I was like, had some insights into what it takes to open a club, the thoughts that I put into it. And I kind of realized that there's a lot of like, creative parts to it or like some decisions that are really important in terms of it's like I realized it's not so easy there are a lot of things you have to think about but I still didn't have a plan to open a club that was like not my thing like I always said that so many times actually when people ask me so it's I always had this image in my head when I was younger of like club owners of these like rich guys counting money in some dark back room taking lots of cocaine and like people you were like trying to catch at six in the morning after after you finished your set because back then you got your money in cash after your set and like giving you life lessons and you were just tired and you're like can I please go home just give me my money I want to go home so this is always the image I had in my head so I definitely didn't want to be a nightclub guy and uh like this Bob Beeman thing came by kind of like accident because I was like in Munich and I had to stay in Munich. But during Bob Beeman, to get back to your question in a, in a concrete way, because Bob Beeman was like taking off in a way I never expected it to be. I was um, moving back to Munich. I was living in New York before and... I came back to Munich and I was trying to sort out my visa for the States. And then my um, uh, stepdad got diagnosed with lung cancer. So I decided to stay a couple of months to support the family and my mom. And I, I stayed for two years and helped the family and like all my plans at the time for my life, like completely switched around because I was kind of lost, you know, I was like just in Munich, no, not just in Munich, but like I didn't work, I didn't, was straight after university and I didn't think about career, I was just thinking about supporting my family and then um, he died two years later and I was like, okay, I need to travel and uh, so I traveled in, in, in Central America for like three months and I came back and actually my plan was to go back to the States then uh, these the guys who owned Bob Beeman approached me. They were like, we're, we're building a club. We're like, we want to do a club. Can you do the club? And I was like, it's an interesting thing. And I was super like, kind of like, because it's, it was a really weird setup because they were, the guys who were running the club actually had no clue about club culture and stuff like that. So that's why they approached me. But at the end, like, they had they were in, in a position to make decisions in the end so i said okay when it comes to all creative decisions if i have the last word we can talk about it and that's how i got into bob beeman so this whole this whole running clubs or setting up clubs came really by accident i never thought about it before 
but then I realized while I was running Bob Beeman that like I'm really bad at compromising especially when it comes to creative decisions it's like most of the time when I work at things I really not most of the time but I do stuff I really believe in and that moves me in some way and gives me like goosebumps and once you have this feeling inside you can't let go you know it's like it's hard so and then I actually when I started Bob Beeman I was like okay if this has gone wrong if this like this is just an experiment I will leave the space after three months I would just say no one will remember I ever worked with 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 this club and then it was like taking off in a way I never expected before and then I realized okay like actually what you do like people kind of like what you do they like they like the club they like the concept so and then friends were like you should do your own space like you should like why why do you work for other people you should do your own space and this is the moment when i now i close the circle to your question and this is when i started thinking hey maybe if all these people because i'm actually a very insecure person like i'm super in doubt with myself questioning myself all the time overthinking things I'm a miserable person, actually, hating myself. Um, and then I was like, okay, if so many people tell you that, maybe you should, if everyone else believes in you, why don't you believe in yourself? And this is the moment I started to look for other locations in Munich. That's an interesting story, man. You mentioned just before we started the conversation that uh, you walked into the Berlin office where we are and you said, oh, you know, in space, you can find spaces like this in Berlin. Um, so I guess it's harder in Munich to find these kind of spaces? I mean, what was that process like of kind of looking? It's way harder to find spaces. There's just no, the city has a lack of space, general living space. There's not enough apartments and there's like, it's actually there are huge amounts of office spaces that are free, that are like uh, unoccupied. And uh, the city is pretty expensive. And especially like everything that's, everything, that's empty is like being like totally destroyed and like like luxury apartments are being built right. so there's just not a lot of free space to set up things that are maybe off off luxury apartments or off like like for for cultural uh, projects and stuff like that so it's really not easy to find space there but i have to say there's like this inner circle in munich we have this like road called mittlerer ring which is like a city highway mm -hmm. and basically everything that's inside the inner circle is like considered like downtown munich and basically everything that happens in nightlife is within the circle and It used to be totally different. When I was younger and out, there was this like really famous club in Munich called Ultraschall. And it was at the old airport. And, and like there were con like also there was like a concert space there. And when we were kids, we were always going there. There was like one guy who was 18 who had a driving license taking us out there. But it was like going out at night and, 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 and traveling, like taking distances was totally normal. And now in Munich, it's the thing. It's everything has to be in the city center. Everything is close by. And of course, there the spaces are really rare to find, really hard to find. It was really hard for me because like, that was like basically the hardest thing for me to look for spaces because I didn't know what to do. Because these spaces, you know, you, you don't like, you don't go to a like uh, agent and say, hey, can you like a, a, a real estate agent, can you look for a space? You know, it doesn't work like that. So I was like approaching, I started by approaching friends who are in gastronomy who run like restaurants, who run clubs, who run long bars. And I was like, maybe if you get something offered for space, because like when you're in the game, people offer you something. So I was like approaching all the people I knew in nightlife. If you get like an offer for a space and you don't like the space, tell me about it. I might take it. And... I actually got like this, like everyone said like, yeah, but you know, if we get something offered, why should we give it to you? And I was like, okay, but if you don't like it, just tell me you didn't like it. Maybe I like it, you know? And uh, they were like, yeah, but I don't know. Then I don't know. Then there's competition because you're going to open a space. And like, so I didn't get anywhere. And then I'd, like, I didn't get to see a single, single, single um, location. And then... My a friend I grew up with, and he's into real estate, but a total different, different side of things. He's like into like 
big like corporate uh, industry, whatever, uh, high-end financial business. And I was like, you're into real estate, maybe you, he you hear something about it. And he was like, okay, I can help you and never heard from him again. So I was kind of lost, but I was doing this festival, like not kind of festival, but like a festival party crossover at Bob Beeman once a year called Smile. I did it for five years. And after five years, we thought about like making it bigger and going to different off location and not doing it at the club. So I hooked up with this guy who's like kind of an agent, whatever, not a real agent, but he's like just this guy freelancing and looking for locations, location scout, basically looking for locations that like temporary stuff. I was asking him, like, let's find something for the festival. So he showed me a couple of locations in the city and like, but this was for Smile Festival, so I wasn't thinking about the club. And then actually he showed me a location in Munich, a huge warehouse next to the central train station, like bomb location, really off the hook, super industrial, like two warehouses next to each other with a like courtyard, like out open air courtyard, like also huge, just like... And I was like, okay, what the fuck? This is like the craziest space I've ever th ever seen. So he's like, yeah, there's one downer that's like 18 months only. So I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I was like, okay, let's do it. I don't give a fuck. And I always had this idea in mind with this crazy sound system and everything. So it didn't make sense economically at all. But I was like, okay, let's do it. And then there was like the day we were about to sign the contract. Um, I got this call and I was like, this thing is off. And I was like, okay, we were about to sign a contract today. And he was, they were like, no, it's off because it's not our fault. It was at the very beginning or at the peak of this whole refugee thing in, in, in Germany and Europe. So the city of Munich took the location to make it a refugee camp. Oh, wow. So we couldn't even be sad or mad about it because in this case you know it's not like some big corporate like company takes it to build like some offices there it was like okay it's for refugees so we couldn't even be sad or mad about it we're just like, okay that's a good cause let's do this we can't change it anyway and then because of this deal we met another guy who was a partner of this location scout and he was re feeling really sorry and uh, was like okay but maybe I can help you with another location, something. Then actually, a couple of weeks later, my friend and one of my partners, Sandra, who runs Blitz Restaurant mainly, is she lives like next to Deutsche Museum. I actually don't live far away either. And she was like, that's empty. That space is empty for like eight, nine years. It's like a huge building. And it's like there was an IMAX cinema there. And I was like, okay, don't have time for this. You know, like cut the crap. And she was like, yeah, we can ask. And I was like, come on. It's like, I don't know. It's one of the most prestigious buildings in the city. Obviously, it's empty for eight years, but like there's no chance we can ever do something in there. And this is how we got the location, actually. This wow. Is, yeah. It's funny, the roundabout routes that lead you to the final, yeah. final thing. Yeah. Um, but this is a most of the time when things happen. They just, they just happen. Yeah. And so the club is underneath the museum is that right it's not underneath the museum the museum is actually a very large building right i think it's um, it's definitely not the biggest building in the world but it's it's someone told me it's one of the biggest buildings in the world it's actually like tremendously huge because it's it goes over like it's there's there's a river in munich mm -hmm. the isar and there's a, an island on that river but the island is really huge it's between three bridges actually so, like, just imagine bridges on a river in a city. It's not, like, every 10 meters. It's, like, there's, like, I don't know, like, half a kilometer, like, even more in between two bridges. Yes. And the the whole building of Deutsche Museum goes also, it's on the whole island. So, it's also in between three bridges, wow. which is, like, really, 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 really huge. And the building where we're at is just a final, tiny, little part, end part at one bridge. And this was also the part that was empty for eight years because like the, the museum is still operating. It's still open and it's still in the in the other side. And and it's ground floor, it's not underneath, it's all it's oh, all it's ground, ground floor. floor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, well. Nice. Okay, so you found the space. How do you then connect with the other kind of founding members? Actually I know most of them for quite 
a long time. Most um, like Sandra, I know for a really, really long time, the longest actually, because I think she was working. There was a club in Munich called Mandarin Lounge. She won, it was actually my first club residency on a Thursday. It was a really small house club, and I think she was working at the bar. And I was going out clubbing like, like really early on with like 13 or 14. And it's always funny because I always tell her like that I remember her from that time and she doesn't remember me at all. And she's a bit older than me. And I was like, yeah, you were that cool older girl. And I was that stupid young guy <laughs> you didn't talk to. But uh, I re remember her from back then. And the others I met when I moved back to Munich and they were running like this kind of like a dance bar, a bar club in between thing. So I was looking for partners and Brane, who I run the club with, was actually he had the same position at the place in Munich I had at Bob Beeman like kind of a creative director it was called Die Registratur which was a really dope club and when I moved back to Munich he like I met him at a party and we talked about music and I like instantly fell in love with him and he started to book me at this club and support me and it was actually funny because the first time we met at Registratur we were sitting at this after hour talking and talking and talking like for ages and we both remember back then that we both said that the day will come we'll open a club together just like after our talk blah blah but it actually did happen they were running a place in munich called kong a little also like i'd say dance bar more than nightclub but also like it's something in between you know little small club they were also looking for something to do a new project and so i started talking to them hey i might at one point leave bob beam and i want to do my own thing maybe I, we could work together maybe that's a good combination because like i'm not a gastronomy guy at all you know i always i think it's really important to know what you're good at but it's way more important to know what you're not good at definitely and I'm also, there's some things I might even be good at, but I'm not interesting in doing it because it's like, I'm like super not a gastronomy guy, if I'm really honest. I really don't care about the gin tonic, where it comes from, how it gets <laughs> to the bar, where it gets ordered, how you calculate it. And But the idea was always to partner it with a restaurant? Um, not for me, 100%. Like, I wanted to do a nightclub, but like, th with this team, there was the, the idea to do it with the restaurant was from the beginning because Sandra was in there and Sandra is mainly into running restaurants. And I th think it can be, it, it's not necessarily a good combination, but I really liked it, like Trau in Amsterdam and I really liked the restaurant and I really liked the way they did it and, and, and how it like the synergy in between restaurant and, 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 and the club. I think restaurants and clubs is, can be a good combination but you need to be really careful about it, you know, because like a restaurant can also create a super different vibe. So like I think hotels is just the, the maybe might be the worst spaces for doing nightclubs at because it like ends up being posh somehow. Sure. Always like just the fact that it's at a hotel. Well, it's like, you know, you, you, there's different criteria, you know, for a restaurant, you want things to look nice and you want nice exactly. cutlery yeah. and glasses and you want the food to look a certain way. But in nightclub, you kind of don't want the same things. It's like different. I agree. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, I remember I first went to Trow and saw that and I just thought it was mad because in the UK, you would never, <laughs> you would never pair a restaurant with a club. Like, it just seems like such a, like a bizarre it, combination. It, that's the thing. It is, it is, it can be bizarre and odd. So you really have to be careful because... Because you end up like, like uh, it's exactly what you said, you know, like things have to look nice and to like, it could kill the vibe of the other space. But, uh, but Sander was part of the team and, and uh, like we were looking for spaces that uh, sh we were always looking for something that could incorporate a restaurant as well. And in terms of the club, I mean, what was your vision? What was the concept? How did it all come together? <sighs> oh, that's a hard question. Because like I think it's always like when people ask you about like your vision or like the ideas you have, it's like in in in, in my own head, it's not so it's not it's very abstract, of you course. know, it's not so concrete. So I'd say that I guess it starts when you see the space. It starts when you see the space, but like when it comes to a club, it's I think there's so much more than space. What you have to do, it's one thing. But first of all, you need to like be 
sure about what vibe i think vibe and that's the very abstract thing how do you create a vibe what's the vibe you want to have at your space what's the feeling you want to get out of it and this is something i developed over 25 years in nightlife because i went to spaces and i felt uncomfortable and i went to other spaces and i felt really comfortable and i went to spaces and i was dancing my ass off like crazy and i went to spaces and i didn't dance at all so this is like all these things came together and i was thinking about okay what do you need to how do you create a situation or a setting that enables the feelings you you like or you you want to get out of it when you go out partying yeah i remember like i, I knew the space and i actually have been there were parties there like like 10 years ago or so but just off parties But I went into the into the space the first time with Sandra and two of my other partners, and I went out like two minutes later. I was like, "That's not good for a club. We can't do a club here. It's impossible." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, it's done. Next, next, why, why? next what location." It's actually it's you, you, have you seen a picture of the of the building? Yes. Of the, like, so it's this huge building, and there's a ground floor, and the entire ground floor was the lobby for the IMAX cinema. Right. And then there's the first floor. Actually, back in the days, this was a very famous concert hall in in, in Munich. There were like people like uh, like really big bands like Rolling Stones and stuff playing there, and Jimi Hendrix and stuff on the first floor. But the first we could like it was like basically pretty clear from day one that we're not like we can't use the first floor. Because to make it work, to get all the licenses, the money you have to put in because of static reasons and, and stuff. So it was like a huge amount of money, I think like 25 million or 30 million to like wow. just to not like without put anything in it, just to make it work. Wow. To be able to get the license to use the space. So it was just ground floor only. So the ground floor is like was kind of the lobby for the for the cinema. And it's like this huge room full of pillars like every three meters every four meters there was like this like huge pillar and i was like that's i like open spaces you know this looks like a labyrinth in here it's like it's impossible to create a club in here it's like it's not gonna happen and actually my partners were i was like i'm pretty emotional and pretty like strict and like upfront yeah. you know it's like when i feel something you know i went in i wasn't like hmm, maybe i don't know i have to think about it i was like that's not gonna happen i leave you know i don't have time for this <laughs> they were like okay i don't know huh? and then actually one of my partners jisho took me aside and was like david you have to think about it like tetris you know think about like these rooms you know build rooms inside these rooms in between the pillars you know like Like Tetris bricks, you know, you need to build in between. And I'm a huge fan of Tetris. I played it like crazy. I actually still play it. Not so much as I used to, but... Um, and it made click. And it took like two seconds. I was in there, okay. I was walking around and I was like, wait, Tetris? Wow. I was like, okay, this is one dance floor, this is the other dance floor, this is the bar, this is that. And it all made sense. And like, and I was telling like my partners, I was like, listen, maybe we can do this here and that here. And they were like, oh, so yeah, that's a great idea. And this is how I like kind of realized what to do with the room. But in the first moment, it didn't click. And then it did. And then in terms of creating this, this vibe, I mean, what are the things that you need to get right? I think first of all you need to like define the vibe that's important to you like right. because like a club or a nightclub is something it's like a general term you know there's so many different clubs sure. I'm always thinking of, obviously we talk about music clubs I think the most important thing is that like at a nightclub what happens there's like people going there listening to music coming together I think the best vibe establishes when you set the best framework for this to happen so people get together feel comfortable that's the most important thing i think to feel free to feel that there's a space where they can do whatever they want with the right crowd i mean there's some things you can't control but there's a lot you can i've actually <laughs> it's also a funny story i was like I found it so hard to put this into words, like when talking to my partners. And so I was, because I was always, they're not, not all of them are so much into like club music or club culture, like I am or Bran and my other partners. So, but I was like, okay, I have to make them understand 
what I'm about, you know, what, what, what's, what's the idea. So I wrote this, like, it's, I called it manifesto back then, but it was actually like a university essay, like a 35-page written document oh, wow. yeah, yeah, about the guidelines of setting up a nightclub. And so, and I actually approached the same way I approached like um, a thesis, like a bachelor thesis in university. And I was like doing like uh, uh, all my bullet points with the ideas and then putting them into order. And then every night I was sitting down doing one chapter, trying to explain to them how to create this vibe, basically. That, that's what it was about. And I think I just said that there's so many things you can't control somehow, but I think some things you can't control, like doing bottle service. You know, it's like it, it's, it definitely defines people by their economic power, by their monetary power, and this divides. It's just a fact, you know. It's so it's a very simple thing. Put bottle service there, you divide people. No bottle service, everybody's the same. You unite people. So still, this doesn't like give you a guarantee that the vibe will be great. But there's like these hundreds and thousands actually of little, 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 little things. I think you should think about when when thinking about the vibe, and it's also some technical stuff: sound, light, drinks. Uh, there was a chapter in this in this essay, for example, about energy levels. You know, I think energy levels in in, in clubs are really important because you have different spaces like areas in a club and the energy level is super different and if you think about the energy level you want to have at a space sometimes like different energy levels and competition to each other like a dance floor when there's a bar right next to the dance floor like on the like some places have these like bars like next to the dj booth or next to the dance floor but a bar has like triggers different things for people at clubs i think it triggers like having a drink hanging out talking it doesn't trigger dancing so it's a different energy level so try to separate these energy levels you know it's like they shouldn't be in competition you know it's amazing to have a bar and amazing to talk you need this in a club but if all these spaces have like their unique setting the energy level can for each specific setting can be way higher yeah this is all these like little things I, I've wrote about in this essay. I think no one ever read it. Like my partner Brane always says that when he gets asked about it, he did like two interviews where he said like, oh yeah, no one read it, only only I read it. And I'm, I'm 100% it's a lie. <laughs> I'm 100% sure he, he, he stated so many times he read it, but I don't believe him. He so never, I think I'm the only one who ever read this. <laughs> so in a way, it was just a way for you to get your thoughts down on paper, literally. It was and, just for myself. And to be able to communicate better to your partners exactly the little things that you needed. I think, yeah, it was just... First, first of all, it was like... I'm kind of like... Uh, like, as I said before, I'm overthinking and I have like really fast, like hyperactive style, like super... I can't sleep at night and my brain is going bam, 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 bam all the time. So it was really the only way for me to to structure my thoughts and to because like it was like I, I i realized okay there's this project coming up and it's it's really getting serious so and you have this idea in mind and the only way to make it work in the right way is to structure your ideas and then you can take care of everything step by step this was basically and 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 to be like really to remind myself of what this whole project is about of what I want to do because a lot in a lot of thoughts were like this is was not actually in the end it was easy but it wasn't so easy in the beginning because um, I think especially not especially with clubs but when you have like when you do an like business venture most of the time numbers make the call sure but that's the devil basically that's like when you when when you make your decisions by numbers you know it can't be good like you need you need to have a great idea and then hope that the numbers will turn out right that's the, for me that's the only way but to explain that to someone this was also one of the reasons to write this down because like a lot of i wrote a lot about that hey put like all economic ideas aside just focus on the idea and then maybe in the long run, it will work out in some way. That's a, a difficult pitch to give to people who whose primary interest might just be financial. Yeah, it is difficult, but I'm pretty, I'm, I'm really, I'm crazy at convincing. I'm like, 
the snake car from Jungle Book. You know, like if if I'm really if I believe in something, I can convince other people to go down that road with me. And musically, where did it fit into the Munich scene at the time? Was there a gap? Was there something you felt that you weren't hearing, or was it just kind of more of of what you liked and what you loved? I think there's like such a big history in, with nightclubs and electronic music in Munich that I'm not sure if there was a huge gap. There was when 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 Bob Beeman opened. There was a gap because there was like no house club, and Bob Beeman was like actually a designated house club, like straight up. There was like I didn't. We didn't do so much techno in there, like really rare examples. But and so I'm not so sure if we filled a gap, if there was something missing before. That's it's hard to say because I don't actually follow so much like the other clubs, like in term like I didn't follow them in terms of like ah, oh, what are you doing? Maybe this is missing in the city, like. But this accounts to for whatever I do. Like I just need an idea in my head to know what I want to do, and then I don't care about what, what if, if someone else is doing the same or whatever. So I did. It's hard for me to answer the question in terms of like I, I'm not sure if, if there was a gap, but I had a clear idea. I wanted a nightclub that is like really kind of like of course it's like electronic music, dance music, but pretty broad within. Like that there's like all kinds of like like basically everything that interests me and 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 and, and the people who are working at that space you know so that's it's a, not just house and techno it's mainly house and techno i mean i think we're like i think there should be much more stuff happening like off stuff apart from like the regular four to the floor house house and techno stuff but it's way harder to promote actually sure. than i thought when we opened the club, I think I, I thought it would be way easier. Well, I guess having artists, for example, like Ski Mask and Zenka Brothers as residents, you know, I guess they're house and techno artists, but they do, especially Ski Mask, you know, he does a lot of other stuff. His set, you can hear all sorts, jungle, footwork, anything really. So yeah, I guess it's about having those residents that kind of represent a broader, broader range. Uh, that's definitely important too. The residents and then the people we invite, but yeah. And how was the reaction from the from the public? Kind of, was it busy straight away? Did it take a while? Did it mm. get people excited? It was, it was like busy straight away. For the first two months or so, but we opened right before summer. Like we had great parties from day one, but it w was kind of like up and down. We had some parties where it was like ram packed. And then the day after, there was like literally, like not a lot of people there, like maybe hundred people, hundred twenty people, so like kind of empty. So and I just, but I did back then. I did like kind of a lot of mistakes, and I had to rethink a lot of things. Also coming like from a space like Bob Beeman was like a two hundred fifty capacity mm. living room club basically like Robert Johnson and to readjust my thinking to like I had this idea of the vibe and everything and all energy levels and all this bullshit I had this all set up in my mind but then something starts you know and you're like realize ah doesn't work that way you know so, so there was a lot of adjusting as you went a lot of adjusting and a lot of like lessons learned it's like a don't want to give the picture that it was like bad in the beginning because it wasn't. It was like you could instantly after the first weekend we looked at each other and was like, okay, this club is insane. Like, it's crazy. It's like there's two two floors and like I can't remember two floor club in Munich for like I don't know twenty years. Like, the sizes and any, anything and all these rooms you can experience different things, and but yeah, it was these ups and downs and in the first one and a half years. It's like, and then we had like the all the construction thing we did, like building this club was like we went over budget. Basically, it was the first like actually real bigger project I did because like before I was like at Bob Beeman I was just like wasn't even employed. I was basically all my life just a DJ, you know. I never did anything else but DJing. So I'm not so much into like running companies and this corporate things. It's it's not so much my world and I'm not so good at it. 
And all my partners were like, yeah. And even like, like my brother was saying that to me, you stupid idiot, you know, you're always over budget. That's the rule. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know how this happened. We went over budget. Okay. And so um, we still had to pay like loads of money from that construction time. So in the first one and a half years, there was some moments where I was like, I really couldn't sleep at night. <laughs> I was like, okay, if this fucks up, you're fucked. You know, you got to go to some island, you know, you never come back, you know. But it was like, it was a strange feeling because like the the, the re reputation or like the feedback we got from day one was like really intense, you know, like everybody like came and was like, okay, this is an insane club. And then we got like all this good like press about it. And then like everybody wanted to play there. And so it was like a success, but we had like a lot of problems. So you were relying on the club doing well to, to earn enough money so you could then pay off these Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. While running the club, yeah. Exactly. It's stressful. That's yeah. It's very stressful. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. That's I was awake for basically one and a half years because I couldn't sleep, smoking four packs of cigarettes at night. But uh, it's like having a young child. Yeah. It's like having a baby. It's like, and I have a young child too. Actually, <laughs> she's six now. So. Wow. Um, okay. Um, no, yeah, and this, and then it started like. But I think this is like I read this like um, there's this book by uh, Mel Charon called My Life in the Paradise Garage, and uh, it's actually I never knew it. I mean, the Paradise Garage is maybe one of the most most famous nightclubs in the history of club culture. There's this chapter where he explains about the opening night of Paradise Garage, and uh, the opening night of Paradise Garage was a huge flop. Like a huge, crazy flop. I read this chapter like half a year after we opened. And we had this like thing with our opening night. It's like, it was kind of a flop too. It was super packed. It was ram packed. But it was like, uh, uh, we had some, like the, the whole, we had like a, a shitstorm on social media actually after the, the, the opening night. And uh, oh, what happened? We basically, um, we didn't do so much advertisement for the club. Um, I mean, obviously, we talked to people and people knew that there's a club coming and, and and stuff like that. But I was like, okay, let's not do any interviews. Let's not do. Let's just skip it. Let's focus on the club. We don't do anything. We just open. So and when when we knew what the opening date's gonna be, we just all we did is one Facebook post stating opening night will be this date. I think it was the 21st of April, 2017. And then I had this idea in mind, actually, because of Oscar, the guy who opened Weekend Club in Berlin, I once went to, I don't think, I'm not, I don't remember if it was the weekend opening party or the first or the first anniversary, but it was a night with free drinks. And it was a crazy party, obviously. I mean, that's the easiest trick, you know, you give free drinks to people and they're happy. And I was like, let's, and opening nights, of spaces are always the worst because it's, it's so stiff and it's no vibes you know and it's, it's like and then you invite also a lot of people who actually are not the people who gonna like tear down the walls at this club you know it's like it's friends you you know for 25 years who are not into clubbing anymore and these are the ones you know sipping champagne at some bar and i was like i hate this you know this is not the right image for a nightclub it's shit you know if the opening night is like this so i was like okay let's just make a party that's open to everyone you know no guest list no bullshit no superficial posh I don't know, let's leave all this bullshit aside. Let's just open doors. Everybody can come. There's no guest list and free drinks. But not. we are 100% sure to not announce the free drinks because this is the worst thing to do. Just so For the people that are coming, they go to the bar, they're like, one vodka tonic, and they're like, okay, here, 10 euros. No, you don't have to pay. It's a good feeling for opening night. All, that, all night. All night. All, all night, night for everyone. All night. Oh, wow. And my when I presented these ideas to my partners, they were like, hey, you're insane, you're insane, insane. I was like, as I said, I'm pretty convincing. And if I believe in something, so like, that's the way to do an opening. So, but this, this is, the story shows that sometimes you're also damn wrong because like, um, and then we, at this Facebook post, when we announced the opening, we said, there's no guest list. And this is what we do. We just open. We didn't announce a lineup, nothing. We were thinking about doing 
opening the restaurant at, at a different date, but then we're like, okay, it's one project, let's open restaurant and club at the same time. So we had this restaurant opening next door, planned for like 7 p.m. or something, and the, the club was due to open at midnight. And then we had this like restaurant opening before, which like it was only by invite, you know, it was like our parents were there and lots of friends we know for ages. And obviously we had some so many people asking about guest list for the party after. And and we said we can't do it. We you know we, we announced no guest list, but some of them were really close friends, but not close enough to be on the restaurant opening. So we were like, okay, how do we do this? You know? And then I realized, fuck, I put you put us in this like situation, you know, it's like it all looked so easy, you know. It's like, but it's not so easy anymore. How do you do it? And like so I was like, okay, okay, let's just these people who we can't say no to. Let's try and get them into the restaurant party before. And then at 12, we opened also the clubs because like the restaurant party was not so big, like the restaurant opening was not so big. Let's get these 30, 40 people like a bit later to the restaurant and then it all mixes up in the club. So, I mean, I kind of knew that this will be a happening for the city, but I never, ever in my wildest dreams expected this to be that big. To, that there's so much attention on this now on this and then the restaurant opened it vibe at the restaurant opening was like really nice and really laid back and i was super nervous and there was, was so many friends there and then already at like 9 p.m like people were coming up to me i was like there's loads of people in front of the club and i'm like yeah but we open at midnight and they were like there's fucking loads of people and I was like, yeah, okay, it's a huge queue, you know, that's nice when you open this, like, when you do a party and people coming, you're happy about it. And, like, so I was smiling, like, getting drunk, and, like, half an hour later, there was, like, like my partner coming. I was like, David, there's fucking, there's lots of people in front of the door. And, like, I think by 11.30 or so, there were, like, I think 4,000 people. Wow. Which is way too much. Yeah. And... So, and these 4,000 people, because they came so early, saw people going into the restaurant entrance. These people, you know, we kind of tricked around to get them into the other party because I was like, okay, we have to stick to the no guest list thing. And I told so many people I know, really, there's no joke, there's no guest list. So, and they went mad about it, you know, like, yeah, but we know each other for so long. And I was like, listen, it's the opening night. You have a lot of time to go to this club all the time. But this is like, I was dreaming about a no guest list party. And, 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 and so I have to say no. And then... The people outside were like, I think the, the vibe got really bad, you know, because they had to queue for so long and the doors didn't open. We said like, because they were there from nine in the evening and we were supposed to open at midnight. And even before we opened the, 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 the club at midnight, the police came and because like, it's, it's a bridge in front of the entrance and there's like a, a, a trains going over the bridge and it's like a, a, a four lane of four lanes or even five lane five lane street like a huge street with like lots of cars passing by and the people were everywhere on the streets so they blocked the streets so cars couldn't pass by the trains couldn't pass by so the fire department came like there was like lots of police and 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 they 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 they, they was like that they were telling us okay we have to like control the situation now it's like and glasses were flying around you know so they told us okay because like when the people are in front of the door the people inside if there's an emergency or fire won't be able to go outside anymore. So we can't let anyone in. So before we opened the doors, the police told us, you can't open doors. And we were inside with these like 250 or 300 people from the restaurant opening, having the best time. And all the people who wanted to party with us were like outside. And yeah, and then I started, I was supposed to play the opening set of the club. And I started playing and uh, um, actually Seth Rockstar was supposed to play after me. I started playing the first record, and I think, yeah, and after like 10 minutes, like my partner Bora Branik came in and was like, I don't know, we have an emergency, it's outside the like police, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck you, how can you say that? I just started playing a record, you know, you killed my set. How can you tell me that right now, you know? As a partner, you should leave me alone with all bad things now. I need to play music. 
And then I played the second track and then I was like, okay, Seth, I can't play anymore. You got to play. It's like, it's too much bad vibes in my head right now. And I was like going mental, you know, it's like all this good vibes from the early evening turned into like a horror movie, really. Yeah, wow. And then it took us like two hours until we were allowed to let people in. And and yeah. And then we got a shitstorm the day after about faking the guest list thing, that we just faked it, that we did the free drinks for like just catching people. And I was like, we just, it was, it was like a crazy story because I just had the, I think I, I just had the best intentions in mind. People were talking about it as, as if we were the devils, you know? Yeah. I mean, that must have been incredibly hard to, to start off like that. Yeah. <laughs> But this, yeah, and then half a year later, to close our circle again of sure. the story, I read this this book again, which I read a couple of years earlier, and there's this chapter about the opening night of Paradise Garage, and I called Brane in the middle of the night, I think at five in the morning, and he's like, he didn't answer, and I called him again, and called him again, and he's like, and I, I was actually smoked a joint before, so I was really into it, into like, ah, oh, yeah, it's story it's crazy it's like it's resembling it's the same story it's the same story and i woke him up and i was like you gotta read this now you gotta read this like i was reading it to him it's like that's crazy and then i was like we still have a chance <laughs> like um so yeah and it, at the end it actually took like one and a half years to 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 kind of until the vibe really settled in the in the way i wanted so so the way the club is now, does it feel like a kind of complete uh, representation of your original vision kind of thing? Mm. In terms of space? Uh, know, in terms of like crowd, space, everything, vibe? Yeah, everything, the whole, the whole club experience. It doesn't. But I think reality never lives up to the ideal. Right. And it shouldn't, actually. It shouldn't. It's good that way. Um, like I always try to set my goals like really, really high. Even if it's like, it's, it's really hard sometimes for people that work with me because it's sometimes it's so unrealistic that they're like, okay, David, we can't work with you. No, it's too crazy. But then I th I have the feeling that like having these ideas that are s sometimes so like the, the, the level is so high that you're like, it's so unrealistic that we will ever get to this point. In reality, you will get a bit closer to that point and even if it's just a little little tiny little bit it will get you closer to that point than if you wouldn't work that way and this sometimes these tiny little bits are the ones that count you know in the yeah. end yeah. um one thing i wanted to ask about because we were talking about Berghain and you know it's very representative of berlin it's very permissive attitudes towards uh sex and drugs and partying and kind of freedom and when i think of munich I think of kind of the opposite in many ways. Conservative city, rich, clean. How do you make a great nightclub work in an environment like that? And and is it as permissive in the, in, the, in that sense? Mm. I mean, the club is as permissive in... I like we are as permissive as, 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 as Berlin, I'd say. Like we as like people running the club in our ideal world, but obviously the legal situation in in Munich is way different than in Berlin, so you can't be as permissive in some ways. But so what what kind of ways? Um, I think you just. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, like let's start with Munich because, like, that I think that's that, that's how you started the question. Munich is like, Munich is very different to Berlin. I think. But like, let's let me start in another way. Sure. We never, or I never wanted to be Berlin in the first place, and I think no other city is. And I think every city and every nightclub scene, whatever, has a really different special vibe. And I think the mistake a lot of people do is that they start with sure. Berlin. I mean, obviously, it's maybe the best city in the world for clubbing because. The regulations are way easier than at, at other places. It's way easier to run things. You can open clubs for like seven days in a row. So also in terms of drug policies, the city is way more open. So to get an idea of Munich, yes, Munich is way more conservative and it's super clean and it's um, everything what you just said is super correct. But still Munich is like, like Bavaria is super, super, super conservative, like hardcore conservative. 
And Munich is kind of a liberal island in Bavaria. Still 100% way more conservative than Berlin. Sure. But then there's like really lots of people in Munich who don't like this so much. So they work on like projects doing things differently. So in when you do things in Munich, I exaggerate a bit, but at least I have this feeling sometimes when you do something, it f still feels a bit like counterculture and not mainstream because you'd like have an ideal, you have a vision, you don't like like uh, uh, conservatism so much. You know, I'm, I'm not so conservative, I'd say, <laughs> rather liberal. So uh, you have the feeling that you move things into a new direction and show people there's another way. Well, yeah, I know in particular you run this uh, monthly queer fetish party, Cruise. Mm -hmm. I mean, was that, is that in itself something that you wouldn't normally find in Munich, something that feels kind of different and progressive or particularly progressive? I think now there are a couple of other parties that are also, like there's, for example, Herrensauna, or like I think they stopped now, but they did the night at Rote Sonne. But I think the huge difference there is that Herrensauna is a party from Berlin sure. that got exported to Munich and cruises a Munich party. It's just my family running a party, basically. And I think when we started Cruise, it was something new in the city, for sure. I mean, it was something that wasn't there before, but actually Cruise was actually the blueprint for the club. Actually, Cruise is Blitz and Blitz is Cruise, you know, it's like it's our signature party. We always say signature party. But uh, I, maybe the reason is like, maybe the club, club now, some we're always joking around that the club should be called Cruise. But uh, I had this idea for Cruise in, in mind for a long time. Um, I wanted to start this at Bob Beeman, actually. There was like a, a guy, like now one of my closest friends, um, uh, Gio, who was a bouncer at Bob Beeman. And during our time when we worked at Bob Beeman, he outed himself and he had this, came up with this new boyfriend he had called Werner, a guy from Belgium. And we like fell in love with each other. It's like hanging out all the time together. And we were like, we have to do this party. And we wanted to do it at Bob Beeman and the, the owners were not so much into it back then and also the space didn't allow for it. Like it, we, could, we couldn't have done it the way we wanted it to be. And then I dropped out of Bob Beeman and I was telling the guys, hey, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to open a club. And if we open a club, I want the three of us to throw like the best party ever. And they were like, okay, let's do it. And then I told my partners about this. So like Cruz was there basically from the beginning in the first month. Like we started the club with Cruz basically. Was there from the first month with its own artwork. And was it also a special feeling for me because like, when you run a club, basically you don't throw, like, there's no own party at the club because usually parties are kind of like external promoters going in. And this is like something like in between because I, I run the club, but I still have my own party there. And and, and Cruise was like kind of taking off from, from the first, from like, I remember the first Cruise. I was there, I was like, where, where are these people coming from? This is crazy. And like, I mean, I couldn't have done it without Werner and Gio. And they were like, okay, like we invite all the people we know. And people were traveling from Athens and from Berlin and, and wow. like to support Gio and Werner and me for this party. And I was like, I was in tears basically in the first Cruise. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is exactly the This is the crowd. These are the people. I feel so feel so welcome and so comfortable. And like I've, I never felt so good in my own space, like at this party. So cruise is like kind of the signature party, but it kind of like swapped over to the other nights because these are the people who became friends of the club. This is our family, and they come regularly. So this is basically the blueprint of it all. Is. 